Well, hey, hey, kids, this is Howard Kalen here, that good-looking bearded guy from the Turtles and the Mothers of Invention. And you're listening to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party here on Pantheon Podcast. Welcome to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, a Pantheon podcast. Music, culture, conversation, and good old-fashioned rock and roll. So now, I give you Miss Pamela and her pajama party. dolls you are listening to pamela de bar's pajama party welcome 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 i am known kind of as the world's most famous groupie but really i'm also an author i have several books out hopefully you've read some of them um today i was actually interviewed on a, a show on reels about keith moon i'm always a talking head People always want to have me on their show, and aren't you lucky? You get to hear me whenever you want to, and you don't even have to pay. Isn't that something? Um, I want to tell you about one thing about myself. I have a new YouTube channel, so please, please tune in. You are listening to a Pantheon podcast. We have so many fabulous podcasters, like 60 or 80. I can't keep track of it, and it's all music-related. So welcome to Pantheon. Welcome to Pamela Day Bar's Pajama Party. And today I have a very special guest, and I know I always say that, but this guest is very, very special to me. He's a very dear friend. His name is Kip Brown. He has been in different bands in his life. He was in a punk band called Shock. And Kip, what would you, is it, is it Little Girls? Is that also punk? No, it's pop. Pop. pop, pop. He was in a pop band called Little Girls, and we're going to hear some of the, that music uh, today on the show. And he's also my James Dean buddy. So we're going to be discussing our obsession with James Dean. And uh, he's my driver for my rock tours. So we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. And I would like to welcome Kip Brown. Hi, Kip. Hi, everybody. How are you? Kip is here. <laughs> it's wonderful. I call him many names. He has many names, but Kipper is the main one I use. Yes, I appreciate it. <laughs> so here he is on my couch. We're not in our pajamas. We really should be Kip, but we're not. This is a pajama party. So I would like to uh, introduce the, the people to you. Tell me about how you got into music. He's, an, he's a California SoCal dude, right? Yeah, born and bred. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, born in Burbank across from Disney Studios, raised in Woodland Hills. And uh, my first pop memories are seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Yeah. The very first one. Yeah. And <laughs> you I were very little. I was very little. I was like, but, what, seven maybe? And you remember seeing? Oh, I totally do. Yeah. I remember seeing the uh, ads coming soon, the Beatles. 
I was like, who are these guys? Huh. And then when Even I saw the, that age, oh yeah, saw the girls screaming and I go, I want to be that. Yeah. Oh man, I, I can't tell you how many times I lay in bed and go, God, I want girls to scream for me. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't, right? Exactly. <laughs> I still want that. I want girls to scream for me. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so yeah, that's, you know, and listening to KHJ radio all during the 60s, you know, I was totally into all of that pop music. And uh, yeah, Beach Boys. When did you actually start deciding to actually play music? Uh, about 69, mm. when I got a guitar and yeah. I took lessons. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I think the first songs I was learning were like Creedence Clearwater songs and yeah, the Beatles from Abbey Road. Nice. And, uh, yeah. and you were, what, 12 or something? No. 14? Uh, yeah, you're right. 12, 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know more about me. <laughs> so did your parents get you the parents got you the guitar? Yes, they did. It would low music in Ventura Boulevard. Yeah. That is real. I love this guitar. And unfortunately, it's one of the guitars that got stolen from me about 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. bummer. How can people do stuff uh, like exactly. that? Exactly. Crush yeah. me. But uh, yeah. So, uh, then I just... Uh, uh, wanted to be in a band but how do you do that yeah how do you how did you do it I, I didn't do it for quite a while until after high school all my friends were in bands in high school but i i, I was a slow bloom, uh, bloomer yeah 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 late bloomer I was a late bloomer. <laughs> um but yeah so around the punk time uh i met some people at the record store i worked at licorice pizza mm -hmm. very famous store mm -hmm. in the valley all over la actually and uh Met these uh, fellow like-minded people who were into this new music that's coming out uh, called punk rock. And so we started rehearsing and writing original songs. Wow. And actually, cool. Steve wrote most of them, but uh, yeah. our bass player. And uh, yeah. You started getting gigs? Started getting gigs, yeah. Who named you Shock? I did. Such a good name. Yeah. We were all trying to think of names driving down the street. Sadaqua, I think it was. We were driving in a, to a rehearsal one day yeah. at our singer's house. He's a valley boy. Yeah. And we're all coming up with names. And I said, what about shock? And we just all looked at each other. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. What were some of the other names you threw around? I can't remember. No? <laughs> no, I don't. That's so long ago. Oh. Yeah. So what was your first gig? First gig was in our manager's backyard. He lived oh. in Santa Monica in a an old apartment complex overlooking the ocean nice. and it was owned by fatty arbuckle allegedly oh, silent film star you know in trouble I'm very interested in fatty arbuckle yeah he was innocent yeah yeah, yeah. so rumor was he owned this place and we played outdoors uh fourth of july uh, 1976 uh, so you know uh -huh. bicentennial yeah yeah and uh, we had our first uh our manager at the time, he lived in that building. He, he, he likes to say we had our first groupies there. They were all like sitting on the lawn. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. But it was fun. We had a good time. I have pictures of it. And and you got a record deal? Um, well, yeah, we played. We started playing some gigs. Uh, started moving up in the chain. Yeah. And so we played this. How does that work? Tell everybody what it means to move up the chain in a when you're in a rock band in Hollywood. Well, you start playing like really divey places. Yes. And then all of a sudden you, you kind of graduate to better dives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but we played this thing. There was a, a benefit uh, for the mask, which was this punk club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basement punk club in Hollywood. And uh, that was a great night. Two nights. Um, we were on the second night. And, you know, the, the germs and all of these punk bands, the weirdos. Yeah. They're all like legendary bands. Now yeah, yeah. Racing. And uh, so we played our gig and uh, we walked amongst the crowd afterwards, just hanging out and watching the other bands. And this guy approached us and he says, I'd like to do a record with you guys. <laughs> and his nice. name was Danny Holloway. Yeah. And he produced the Plimsolls. And uh, anyway, it was awesome. He uh, took us into the studio and we did that first record, uh -huh. uh, which was This Generation's On Vacation, plus uh, two other songs and uh, on red vinyl. Very cool. Oh, right. Yeah. And that's now considered a classic. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people are, you are collecting you now, right? Yes. And matter <laughs> of fact, we just got a, an invitation to be on this box set, mm -hmm. five CD box set from, on Cherry Red Records mm. uh, called The History of North American slash Canadian Punk Rock. Great. Yeah. So that's... Why don't we hear one of those songs right now? Which one would you like? To well, let's play the big one. This Generation's On Vacation. Okay, and I great. play the guitars. Yay! And sing the background vocals with the other guys. Yeah. Wow, Kev, that is so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's great production, you know. We're, yeah, we're yeah. Proud of that. You're proud of it. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. So you did another record too, right? With we them? Did, we did another record. That wasn't as good. Danny Hollywood wasn't involved. And mm. we were kind of in the process of breaking up. There was a lot of inner fighting and, you know, you know all the bullshit. That's <laughs> Oops, excuse me. That's, that's okay. Yeah. But, but why does that happen? Well, I mean, that happens uh, with so many bands. Egos and stuff. And, uh, but, you know, things started, we weren't, we weren't moving up. We, we wanted to keep going. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I have to mention though, we did open for the Ramones. Yes. I wanted to ask you some of the gigs you played. Yeah. That was a big night for us. We played uh, two nights with the Ramones, Christmas Eve, Christmas day. Wow. And whiskey. It was just oh. us and the Ramones. And, uh, we had an option that they said you can open for, the Ramones or this other band that's coming to town and uh and I'd heard of them but none of the guys in the band had heard of them yeah and that was the police oh yeah for their the first police. shows but I'm glad we picked the Ramones yeah um, it was more in keeping their music yeah not to mention yeah. they're, they're they're cooler yeah <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that was awesome we did those two nights and that was fantastic but you also played the lots of bands around town didn't you like pl play with the weirdos and the germs and yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 the whiskey so uh, knowing you the way i do pretty well mm. i try to imagine you as a punk well we were we all had <laughs> we all had jobs so that was what's funny we saw all these other punk rockers are just like you know, starving starving so you might as well not exactly. starve we all worked you know, yeah and we were nice guys and we smiled <laughs> <laughs> we smiled <laughs> yeah but oh, yeah okay. yeah so 
it was fine. Yeah. Okay. But we didn't fit in a lot of times with these, uh, the clicks. There were clicks, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And so a lot of the punkers hated us because we knew how to play our instruments. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, but anyway, we got, cut to like uh, 2007, uh, Brendan uh, from the Mellon. Mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one of Mercy's main schools. Yeah, so he, he had a reunion of all the punk rockers to play the mask like a, a another benefit show or a, a tribute show yeah and he saw me at a record store and he invited us and i, I tried to convince the band members they all to were spread around yeah. the country and i said we guys we got to do this we might get respect now yeah and sure enough that's what happened oh so people kept coming that? up to us this was 2007 oh and they kept coming up to me afterwards and they said you guys are one of the best of the night well, i was like wow Wow. And they go, you sounded like you rehearsed. I go, we did. <laughs> <laughs> you, you aren't supposed to rehearse if you're a punk. Right? Yeah, well. <laughs> anyway, it was good. Good oh. night. It was a good night. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. Then. Then I left uh, the band. Yeah. Okay. Continue from there. Left the band because of the inner fighting, and then uh, took a few months off. Went to Canada with my family, and and then uh, my friends took me to go see this pop band at the uh, Troubadour called the Little Girls because. Mm -hmm their friend, our mutual friend was on bass, a guy named Vince. And uh, I just thought, wow, this is really fun. They're having fun on stage. They're two girls, sisters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why the name. And uh, they write pop songs. And I thought, well, this looks like fun. And coming from a, a shock who towards the end, we were kind of like, it wasn't fun anymore. Right. I right, go, well, right, I'm going right. to do this. So anyway, I told Vince afterwards, we spoke to him and I said, if you ever need a guitar player, give me a call. And then about a month or two later, he called. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And that went on for a long time. That went on for a long time. And we did a mini album and we did a video for MTV. Oh. And, uh, we had a song uh, which we'll play. Yeah. Called the Earthquake Song. And that every time there's an earthquake in LA, they uh, play it on K Rock and what have you. Well, let's play it now, but really hope there's no earthquake that stems from it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here's the Earthquake Song. Really, to me, more in keeping with your style. Yeah, it's pop, you know, and my surf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> so I'm playing the guitar on that as well. Yeah. Now, do you still play guitar? I do, but I, yeah, my whole thing now is recording, and you should know because you're on one of my records. Yes. I, after the little girls broke up, I played in a few other little bands, but uh, I wanted to do a. I like Christmas music. Yeah, me and, too. So I wrote a you know the style of like the go-go's meet the beach boys yeah. and uh and it's called surfing with santa but anyway i did a record of that and uh it's under the name the holly berries right and so i basically took control of all of this because i wanted to write it i wanted to produce it i wanted to release it i wanted total control yeah <laughs> of it and uh, uh -huh. you were nice enough to be on uh, my second record 
I think it was. Jingle I, all the way. Right. So I, I, re <laughs> I released one a year for four years. And, yeah. Uh, and they get played a lot at Christmas, right? Get, yeah, yeah. I know Kip's goal is to have it be a Just Christmas it. standard. Yeah. <laughs> But every year it did play. that first one surfing with santa did very well uh, it was picked up for uh alamo draft house you know yeah they yeah used it for their they, commercials that was wonderful yeah you know that was cool that's it's a, a theater in austin texas well based there and there's one in la and there's one in new york where's, where's the one in la downtown la yeah really yeah, yeah. i've been to the one in austin yeah whole chain of them but cool. yeah they used it for their december coming attractions uh, a couple years in a row. Yeah. Well, let's go to uh, the night in 1974 when you first met me. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> I was a big fan of, uh, first of all, I knew who you were because of the GTOs and I'd read about you and like whatever, phonograph record or one of those newspapers, cream. cream. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry to picture with Alice Cooper, who I was a big fan of as well. And uh, then I saw, I was a big fan of the Silverhead. And so they were playing the whiskey and I went to the whiskey to see them. And as I used to do back in those days, I'd go by myself and bring a little camera along with my little flash bulbs. And, uh, and I went backstage because it's easier to get backstage if you're by yourself. Yeah. Huh, really? Yeah. <laughs> And there you were. I know that. Yeah. 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 yeah expert at that. <laughs> yes. I, I was. It's not the same, is it, Kim? No. It's not as easy to get no, backstage. My God, we could just walk back there usually. Yeah, it was, it was pretty easy back in those days. And and especially if you knew where the back stairs were, the mm. whiskey and all the whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Which you did because you played there. There was never any guards that, yeah. leading up the stairs, you know. <laughs> yeah. You just go up there. But most people were afraid to. Yeah, well, they didn't even think about doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's what, you know, that's what I talk about on the rock tour with you as my wonderful driver. Yes. And cohort. Yeah, we have fun, don't we? Yeah. Mm. I, I talk about how the, you know, the G word groupie didn't even exist and you could, and, and you could just knock on a door and they'd open it. You yeah. Know? Those were the days, yeah. right? <laughs> how did you meet Michael? Uh, I was doing a, a movie. Michael DeBar. Yeah, Michael DeBar. That's how I got my beautiful name. I was married to Michael Debar for 14 years. Lead singer for Silverhead. And many other bands. Yes, Detective and Checkered Past. He was a guest, of course, on my podcast. Of course. Yes. I would hope so. <laughs> well, we have a son, Nick. Um, but I met him on a, a movie, you know, playing myself, but Keith Moon didn't show up. And of course, we had to find Scour New York. It was filming in New York. We had to find a musician who could act. And Michael was perfect. He'd been a child actor. He would also insister with love. And, and uh, he came aboard on his 26th birthday and took Keith Moon's role and he stole the movie. Wow. <laughs> he really did. Well, he had that expertise and uh, what he was into sir with love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a really good actor. He still is. He went on to do so much, so much TV in Murdoch. Yes, he played Murdoch in MacGyver. Yeah. And he was in the Smelly Car episode of Seinfeld, which yeah. they play all the yeah. time. He still gets royalties. <laughs> he probably right? gets 15 bucks or something nice. now when that, when that airs. That's cool. <laughs> so, so that night you took a picture of us. Yeah, yeah. You guys were, 
Okay, you were in your underwear. Yes, yeah. see, Kip saw me in my underwear. She was ahead of her. Uh, way before Madonna. Yes, way before Madonna. <laughs> so I have proof. <laughs> and I took two pictures of them standing outside of the dressing room door. And uh, yeah, so cut to years later, you and I did a radio, uh, a TV show. A TV right? show. With Little Arts Poker Party. Yes. With our buddy, Art Fine. Yep, wonderful show local show it's kind of historic and you had victor with you oh my dear victor hayden yeah and just me and i i was like what am i doing here <laughs> yeah see i don't my memory of that is exactly that. because but, but uh, is, is your memory good about that i remember, Do you remember much about the show i remember them asking what my first record i owned was oh and what was that i Chip? think it was I, I had to make it up i think it's probably oh. i want to hold your hand by the beatles or something uh-huh yeah well you were so young that too. makes sense the first record i bought with my own money was alone with dion yeah. album yeah. i saved up for my my album it's, it's a picture of dion with some girl behind him and her arms and pink gloves. You know the yeah, picture? Yeah, sure. It's so fabulous. Yeah. So what was your first record that you bought with your own money? My own money, that? that's a good question. Yeah. This, I, this was great. My mom, all through the Beatles days, you know, I was a Beatle head, right? Mm -hmm. Mom, take us to the drive-in to see Hard Day's Night. We saw it 15 times probably. Yeah. Same with Help. Yeah. You know, take uh, us to the drive-in, please. Mom. She was great. Yeah. She still is great. Yes, she is. She's visiting us. I got Hi, to have dinner with her last week. That's right. That's right. First time you met. Yeah. Yeah. And my other sister, Andrea and Tammy. Hi, guys. That was fun. And Jenna. Hi, Jenna, my niece. <laughs> yes. So anyway. Um, yeah. First but, but, no, so, so, so <laughs> every uh, holiday, like Christmas or Easter, my mom would hide a Beatle record for me in the backyard like for searching for eggs but i'd be searching oh for the gosh, latest beetle that record is so cute and so cool rubber soul yeah. you know first record i ever bought God, that's a you good don't one. remember I, it was probably sergeant pepper yeah yeah because i remember going to the uh thrifty at topanga adventura and buying it i know the neighborhood well yeah thrifty is where i used to go with my mom and get our ice cream cones we had a thrifty right here in Reseda too they used to have like the two two row record section yeah and, yeah and i remember the smell i work a record store now right and <laughs> they don't smell the same but the shrink wrap used to have this smell <laughs> the 60s smell yeah i love oh, it i love it. there was a my record store up the street it's on Reseda, right at sherman way on sherman way right at Reseda boulevard right yeah. next to the theater where i used to see elvis the movies and then the beatles yeah. movies yeah but it was called the Reseda record rack and it's a tiny little thing huh. And it's still there, exactly the way it was. It turned into a TV, you know, uh, sure. fix it joint. And I, my dream was to buy that, turn it into a record store again. But I don't know if it's the neighborhood for it. But I wouldn't that just be so cool? Where I bought all my records. I got forty cents a week allowance, and I saved up wow. for all my records, all my forty fives. But the Dion album was just. Remember that whole, that corner was happening back in the Yes, it was. Remember the giant donut? Oh, was it there? No, that was, yeah, it was right there. Where On the, the gas corner? Station. Yeah. Oh, my God, Kim, yeah, I don't was, remember. Oh, yeah, there's a giant donut place. Well, well I, I may have been gone by then, because I no, left Reseda no, in 69, so. 69 or something. Well, like it was there in the early 60s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I remember. I, I remember that. Yeah. I don't think I'm totally crazy. I wonder if we ever bumped into each other as children. Wouldn't that be funny? 
Yeah. <laughs> I think it's hilarious well, that I'm sitting on, I'm sitting here talking to you after you know being, reading about you and cream and it's hilarious that we're we've known each other for 25 we're great years. friends now. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. It's like wow. Oh boy. Okay. What I think it's break time. Let's take a Hello Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. A little break we need to talk about our dean thing dean we're, who <laughs> dean martin no we're obsessed yeah. with james dean yes that's... and that really got us very very close yeah so kip had his own record store called ear candy and, on uh, sepulveda Van Nuys. which was so cool thank you he's he, you know if you ever want to know anything about any records especially classic stuff we'll try Kip knows a lot. And with James Dean, he's the go-to guy. He and David Lohr, um, James Dean Gallery in Fairmount, Indiana, they're you're the two go-to guys. Thank you. And there are people who try to usurp them. Look out. Nobody <laughs> can do it. Nobody can be more knowledgeable about James Dean than Kip or Dane. Well, thank you. That's sweet of you. It's the truth. Oh, well, thanks. I've been writing a book for like 30 some odd years Yes, now. yes. He, <laughs> So, so we reconnected when I, I decided I was going to learn how to write screenplays uh, 25 years ago. Um, I'd already had a couple books out and I was going to, I needed a good topic. And I thought James Dean, who I had worshipped from the time I was, the moment he died, I heard it on the radio. And, and you kept a picture of him in your wallet, right? Oh yeah. A picture of his grave site. Yeah. Because I wanted to go visit it my whole life. But I was obsessed with him. I compared all the boys in junior high to him, and it was no one measured up, my God. And, uh, but I was asleep on, in the car when that happened and came on the radio, and I sat up and said, Who is, who is James Dean? I remember it so vividly. I don't remember a lot about being that young. I was eight or nine, hmm. 55. I was, I had just turned nine, right? Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> as if you, you don't know, but five plus six. Yeah, uh-huh. I yeah. just turned nine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah. and I was so young. I don't. And I was <laughs> I was so young and tender to be crazy about him. And and I started collecting the magazines. All the you know, there were tons of James Dean magazines at that point when he died. Yeah. Yeah. And I would set my alarm and get up in the middle of the night to see Rebel Without a Cause. That's the only way you could do it. That's right. There's no VHS. People think, you know, it's the olden times. Yeah, you had to wait until it came on TV. Yes, you had to wait. That's right. And I'd I'd get up at 2 a.m., whether it was a school night or not, and I would watch that movie and wait till he, he had his head in her lap, and she said, I love somebody. <laughs> it was like, oh, oh, God. I was praised. That didn't have the same effect on me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what, what, how, why were you attracted to him? No, I just, I remember in high school, I was, again, I didn't really notice him until, like, I think the early 70s, I started running ads for 50s music on TV, like, get the greatest hits on vinyl or whatever oh, uh-huh. and they would always they would always show a picture of him with the sweater pulled up around his oh yeah over his mouth yeah the torn sweater yeah and uh I was like, who is that guy series yeah who is that guy um and then rebel came on tv so rebel was the first one i saw and i i just thought and you know I mean, he's he's a teenager supposed to be a teenager and, yeah you know the parents the problems with the parents and stuff i just go wow this guy wow this is real this guy's real mm-hmm. and anyway i just really i matter of fact in high school i did a scene from rebel uh, yeah oh my god i wish that was on film well <laughs> it, it must have been really funny because there was supposed to be another person in the scene but it was just me doing it as a monologue oh yeah the the stair scene with his dad you know oh how fabulous yeah 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 Oh my! Anyway, God. so I did that, and I'm glad it's not on film. But uh, I did you okay. Kill your own father! Yes. No one was going to yell that yes. out. Huh? Yeah, but that's the scene. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's what got me into it. And then, and then I uh, one year somebody gave me a calendar, and it had a picture of Jimmy standing next to his Porsche, the Porsche he died in, yeah. at a gas station. And this was a long time ago. This is before anybody had seen that photo. And I'd never seen it. And I said, I got to find that. I got to find that. And that led me on a quest to find location after location yeah. of where they took. This is before internet, okay? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. nowadays, everybody just pops on and types in yeah. and you can find it. But back then, <laughs> I was I spent so much gas money driving around LA and doing detective work. And, yeah, I and you know, I found all that stuff. And I found the gas station, which was ironically across the street from where i worked yeah. Moby disc yeah record store oh. yeah but anyway so that led me into uh, like i was doing a i wanted to do a book a dated i mean a, a location book mm-hmm. then i got a computer and the computer i started this 10 pages turned into 20 into 100 into 200 oh. then i decided to do a day by day on its life and now i'm like 30 years it's, later on. i know it's an incredible work of uh, devotion and love and and amazing information Kim yeah it's a lot of stuff I mean but because he he goes like he'll take some person who was in a tv tv show with Jimmy 
And of course, all his friends call him Jimmy, by the way. And uh, and and you will take that actor, say name name some. Yeah, actor. it's like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes, it is. And he'll go he'll follow that actors. We'll all have their birth date, then I'll have their death date, so you can find out what happened. Yeah, and, but the, and but their the, credits. Yeah, there's usually a little bit of information about anyone Jimmy ever came in contact with in his entire life. Exactly. So, <laughs> it's kind of grown. It's like I hope I hope people give a crap. <laughs> when it will. It it's an amazing history of uh, Hollywood. Yeah. And that from that era too. I mean, right? There's very few, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very a, few yeah. books that go at that in depth. Yeah. And the history of Fairmont as well, the town he's from and Marion and all of that kind of stuff. And it goes up till today, you know, everything that in has a James Dean connection. Yes, I know. Yeah. yeah that's why he can't finish it. I can't finish because it. Because things keep happening. People, people who knew Jimmy, because he would be what, 90, 92. I right? should know that. Off the top 91. Of my head. He would be 91 now. Right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said you had great math. You figured out my age. I lied. Uh, <laughs> he would be 91. He was born in 31. Yeah. Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so, so many of the people in his life are gone or going or yeah, about to sad, go. Sad yeah. yeah. So this is going to be quite an important book, I think. I've always thought so, but it's way too long. It's already a thousand, twelve hundred pages. So I would imagine have, yeah. he's going to have to have two, ver two. What are they called? Volumes. Two volumes, everybody. Mm. Two volumes, day by day with James Dean. Something like that. Yeah. I think that's going to be the title, maybe. Day after day. Day after day. Yeah. That's nice. That's my tribute to Badfinger as well. Okay. <laughs> it was one of my favorite bands. Yeah. So then you decided you had to go to Fairmount. Yeah. So. I was I became friends with the lady uh, Sylvia who ran the uh, fan club, and she lived out in Fullerton, and she was planning on going to uh, Fairmount with these two other girls, and I said, well, "Can I tag along too? I'd love to go." And you guys have been there before, so you can yeah. introduce me to people. I'd love to do that. Yeah. And so that's what I did, and that was like '88 or '89, mm -hmm. and so I was again. I was late going because you know. The 50s and 60s i missed all of that 70s oh i wanted to go too because like you mentioned i carried his uh, the grapes his grape stone around in my wallet in junior high and i knew one day i would get it there and you went back in 99 right i can't remember exactly i have to look in my book <laughs> it's 99 i believe yeah. might be 2000 is that the one that uh, i might i brought you with me yeah 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 that was a heck of a so, trip. I know. <laughs> I was ecstatic. Yeah. We, we listened to, uh, that's when I was right in the thick of writing the screenplay. I was writing a screenplay. You know, I, I was going to write a book. And I, I realized there are way too many books about Jimmy already. And so I was going to write this screenplay and about his friendship with a lady named Tony Lee Scott, who was a jazz singer in the 50s, young jazz singer. And she lost her leg in a motorcycle accident when she was 21 years old, just really on the verge of happening and had a lot of surgeries and was really trying to make sort of a comeback. And she ran into James Dean at Googie's, which was a hangout on Sunset where he used to meet his friends. And I just thought it was such an interesting story because he was trying to help her. He wanted to encourage her to get back on stage and, and they, they, they both couldn't stand Hollywood and they really connected. And it's an amazing story. So that's what I was working on when 
we went to Fairmount. You remember though that there wasn't much information on Tony that you, yes. you didn't know. And no. then well, she was called the one-legged gal pal in the really bad James Dean books. Do you remember driving and then you said, and I said, Oh yeah, that's Tony Lee Scott. Yes. And I was go, so what? thrilled. You know, you know who she is? He knew her name and everything. <laughs> I said, Who is this one-legged gal pal? Yeah. And a friend of ours who was more versed in computers than we were at that time found her on there. And we went to visit her and we're, I just spoke to her two days ago. We are still friends yeah. to, to this day. Um, and I really, if anyone's out there interested in my screenplay, it's, it's a true story about James Dean, man, that people don't know. So contact me. <laughs> Dig. Yeah. yeah. It's really a fascinating story. So that trip to Indiana was fascinating. I introduced you to Dave and Lenny, I think, or yeah. that you, you talked to them on. Yeah, we, we met on the phone, I think. Right. Right? Or was it maybe an email? We, we, we exchanged, and he was just so thrilled we were coming yeah. to visit. Dave Lohr started the James Dean Gallery. His story is so incredible. He's got a fabulous book out himself. Yeah. So please read Dave Lohr's book. You can buy it at the James Dean Gallery. And he tells the story of... of the New Yorkers, he and his boyfriend, Lenny, they're now married. I married them. That was yeah. one of my favorite days. Yeah. Um, they, they moved from New York to this tiny little podunk town. And they got some shit, man, when they first moved there. But now they are the, the gentlemen of the small town, you know, who take care of the James Dean's legend. It's a, it's a wonderful book and it's a wonderful story. And by the way, that town, Podunk, whatever, we love that. Podunk. Town. Yeah, I call Podunk just means small, right? Small town. I we mean, love I'm that. not saying it in a negative way. <laughs> yeah, we love that town. It's so it's so chill and relaxing when we go, you know. It's just, the, the main street looks the same pretty much. I mean, it's changed some, but yeah. it's still got the bank. and A lot of, of, of pictures of Jimmy on that street, Main Street in Fairmount. You can still see exactly where he walked and. Yeah. And and I was so thrilled to, to be there finally. It's just that took uh, a lot of pictures of you laying on the grave. Yes, <laughs> yes, I would lay on Jimmy's grave. The only time I've ever had that thing happen that people talk about going up the back of your neck, that like like ants crawling up the back, was at Jimmy's grave. Yeah, he. I, I really believe his spirit is really close to people who are interested in communing with him. I had so many dreams about him when I was writing that screenplay. He showed me who he is in so many different ways. And I felt like I knew him. And I think a lot of people feel that way. So do you, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. people feel, they feel a connection with him like no other, really. People, I guess there may be Marilyn, Elvis, and James Dean are the three like Hollywood icons that people will always know about and want to know more about. Yeah. These people that had, who were friends of James Dean's who hadn't seen him, each other since he died. Fantastic. It was one of the most amazing situations we have ever found ourselves in. Leonard Rosenman, who did the music for East of Eden. And Rebel. And Rebel, such beautiful music so far out. He was so far ahead of everybody. And we got him together with Jimmy's agent and his best friend, and they were and, his and, best friend, and Frank Mazzola, one of the guys who was in the Rebel, and we had a dinner party. Was that, is that did I get everybody? Yeah, Lou Bracker. Yeah, Lou Bracker was his best friend. 
And he's got a great book. The best book on James Dean is called Jimmy and Me by Lou Bracker. Yeah. And it's it's sincere and it's real. And it's not full of crap. Right. And Frank Mazzola was one of the gang members in Rebel. And they were all at my house for dinner and they were talking about Jimmy's death. With after dinner, we're listening to so... them talk and they're talking about uh, Lou says to Leonard or vice versa. They said, you know, it's the first time we've ever talked about Jimmy's death yeah. together, you know, and this was like 40 years later, whatever. Yes, it was many, many, many and we're, years. Pamela later. and I looked at each other and just went, oh, wow. I know we were in the <laughs> middle of this because if, if you're a James Dean nut and, and especially if you just decide you are right people glom onto him like they're the only they know him better than anyone else and they understand him it's, yeah. it's it's the rebellious nature and also the fact that he was so his heart was open man he just he he changed acting for for men for sure he made it okay to, for men to be vulnerable and and express themselves like no one ever before brando and clift were his heroes but he took it further than that and so people felt that and they still do they come to fairmount new people all the time mm. and and they think they they know jimmy better than anyone else it's really kind of interesting yeah and bizarre but there we were with all the people who actually knew him and it was just mind-blowing yeah it was mind two of them has since passed on though sadly yeah but, uh, yeah we got the chance to three meet well lou's still around but yeah but dick clayton isn't dick and mazzola and, and, isn't and leonard rosen all three you're right yeah oh, that's right so it was really incredible and leonard rosen did, did that stunning music for east of eden whenever we pull into fairmount da, da, we pop da, on the cd da, da, da. <laughs> yeah. and you know oh you yeah, know you, yeah. if you if you if you're in love with james dean it never stops and and Kip, in his way, is in love with James Dean, aren't you, Kip? Yeah, of course. In the town, I like <laughs> I love everything about yes that's the, around him. Yes, it's just great. It really just great. is. We, we we've thought of living there, and you know, one day if I sell the script, I'm definitely going to buy a house there. And I'll rent. <laughs> <laughs> He'll rent a room from me. That's right. <laughs> huh. I'm looking forward to our trip in September. We're going again. Yes, we go every year, sometimes twice a year. My last book, Let It Bleed, I wrote a lot of it there. I rented a little house in Fairmount. It's a dream is to, I've promised James Dean that if I sell this screenplay, I'll buy a house there. I've been trying to sell it for a long time. So anybody out there want to read it? <laughs> so Kip started doing, um, James Dean uh, trips around Hollywood tours, tours to, yeah. to show people where all he, he found out where all the places were. And now he, he for a long time has been taking people to the James Dean sites. Yeah, you know, doing private tours and what have you. And uh, so what that led to. Yes, it led to when, when I, uh, the way my tours started, my rock and roll tours, but I'm with the band tours. I got a, a, an email out of the blue from uh, some British guy who's, best friend was turning 40 and he really said i want to really we un, one up each other on our birthdays and i would like to hire you to take us around uh to the sites and i'm with the band because i think that he would really enjoy that so i said sure and he he gave me five thousand dollars to do it <laughs> i i tell the people on the rock tour now boy you guys got a deal yeah 
spending the day with me. I, I originally got five grand. They also took me out to dinner afterwards. Well, they picked me up in Rolls Royce, <laughs> took me out to dinner at the Polo Lounge afterwards and just peeled off $5,100 bills. It was, it was, I went, okay, maybe this is something I can add to my repertoire of a billion ways I make a living. And that's how that yeah. happened. And the first person I thought of to drive it is Kip because he was already doing these tours. So it's worked out so well. Yeah, we've done it since how 13 long? years. Yeah. Huh? 13 years. We've been taking full vans full of people all from everywhere. And I read out of my books and tell stories. And if any of you are interested, they sell out really fast. Yeah, we have guys, one in July. It's, sell, it's sold out. And uh, one in September is coming up, too. You guys need to take it. It's a lot of fun. It is fun. And Kip really makes it. No, yeah aren't you sweet yeah but it's so true i don't know if i could do it without him now he's got his own stories he tells because he's full of hollywood lore next one fifty thousand dollars please <laughs> 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 people from um out of town uh, we, we've had australians canadians yeah, all over the place all kinds of europeans yeah and the their main draw nowadays is laurel canyon that's where they want to know all about it. They want to take it all in. It's become mythology. These rock gods from the 60s and early 70s. It's, it's like it, it, the Mick Jagger people think about, dream about. It's not the one who's wonderfully still performing. It's the, the one, you know, sympathy for the devil or even earlier. Yeah. They think about that guy. And Jim Morrison, who's no longer with us, that he's become just revered and worshipped in such a weird way and i always have to pop their bubble a little bit mm. yeah yeah <laughs> i but... point out where he you know used to try to rest in the gutter in front of the whiskey <laughs> rest <laughs> you mean just passed out <laughs> well, no. rest no <laughs> resting he was resting yeah he, yeah he wanted to take a little nap <laughs> i remember <laughs> i remember one night watching him do that he curled up and you know what it reminded me of which i've mentioned to you is uh the opening of rebel yeah the opening of rebel. yeah he curled up like james dean did at the end you know with, with the, the monkey with the monkey wind up right in monkey. front of the whiskey go go in the gutter wow yeah wow 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 hey let's talk about new music music we listen to now have you heard maniskin yeah i have a crush on the uh, female bass player she's she's cute you know they're all 23 years old no oh, so there's no hope for me <laughs> okay she's too young <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, the lead singer is gorgeous, Damiano, right? Again, gorgeous, yeah, yeah. gorgeous people, really exciting young band. They were on Saturday Night Live for some reason, like a few months ago. It's like, who are these guys? You know? Well, they're, they're huge in Europe. They're yeah, really huge. But out here, it's like, wow. It's pronounced, it's spelled M A N E S K I N, if you guys are not familiar with Mona Skin. And uh, I recommend that you become familiar with them. Also, of course, the Struts, one of my favorite bands. Yeah, yeah. Do they sell records? Not Kip? too much. That's really a crime. Yeah. Kip now works at CD Trader. In Tarzana. Yeah. Where Tarzan so, was created. So, so it's true. It's true. Tarzan. Edgar Rice Burroughs lived there and created Kip showed this. me his house the other day. Yeah, it was created fascinating. the town of Tarzana. Kip is so full of knowledge. Yeah, it's never makes me any money though. <laughs> <laughs> let's just dig into your knowledge oh sure bit. okay yeah what are you really knowledgeable about 
about uh, history of hollywood and, yeah and yeah rock and, so much i, I mean, all that stuff when, when we go on our tours he will show things <laughs> one of my favorites is he points out the spot where fred mertz dropped dead <laughs> on the corner of, of hollywood and vine <laughs> Everybody always goes, ooh, he says, any I love Lucy fans? <laughs> and, so, and sometimes there are. Boy, and he the, dropped dead. He dropped dead. And then he'll point out the window where Sunset Boulevard was being filmed, the opening scene. Yeah, with uh, William Holden. William Holden typing. The, the crane shot so, going up into his room. Yeah, that building's still there. Yeah. Yeah, that's So rare. once in a while on the, the rock tour, Pamela's rock tour, I was throwing little Hollywood stuff. They seem to like it. Yeah, they do. They do. And it takes a little bit of pressure off me for a little bit. Yeah. Because on those tours, I am on. Yeah. I might as well be on stage. We're both pretty wiped all out those, uh, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> it is so exhausting. Yeah. But we have such a ball. It it's is. Such a great it's time. a great time. Yeah. So anyway, I guess I could talk about the holly, holly berries. I did a, besides Christmas, I did a summer song because of uh, summer, you know, I love the Beach Boys. So I, it's a Ramonesy kind of song called Boards and Bikinis Rule <laughs> down in Malibu. And my friend Ed Stasium was kind enough to master it. And Ed Stasium either produced or engineered all of that Ramones, all those classic mm. songs. And he was he he co-produced our little girls record. So yeah. I got to meet him then. So he was nice enough to do me a favor, and he, he mixed and mastered that uh, that Hollyberry song for me, and added some guitar as well. Yeah. Ed Stasium, he's an unsung hero. He played a lot of Ramones guitar licks on a lot of those records. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's hear that. Yeah. So let's hear "Boards and Bikinis Rule" down in Malibu. <laughs> the beach party movies love the beach parties movies and i just bought a box set the other day of dvd all of the frankie and annette all of the all of the classic american international pictures i yeah. love those love those movies did you have a crush on annette um yeah i did she was stacked she was stacked she was stacked and she always it was very intimidating to girls who weren't stacked uh truth but... be told though i <laughs> I was more interested in some of the other bikini girls on the beach dancing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The blondes, especially. Yeah. He yeah. likes blondes. I like them all, but uh, <laughs> blondes are good. <laughs> so tell me about what kind of music you're listening to. You, you, you were going to interview me too, Kim. That's what I'm asking. Okay. Uh, well, the fact is, I, I just saw Dylan the other night. And he, he did the most of Rough and Rowdy Ways, his most recent record. And it is so, he was in such fine voice. It's like, maybe he's 
I don't know, it was like an angelic in places. And you could understand most of the words. Hmm. And you know, a lot of times you can't, which doesn't bother me, because to me, he, he, he's, he's the god of rock and roll, the, the guy who made it important. Did he do any of his all hits, though? Like, re, re, reconstituted? He reimagines them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did uh, Gotta Serve Somebody, okay. which was really cool. He did it in a whole different way. He turns them into reggae and stuff like that. He, hmm. you know, he ships them all around, but hmm. that was great to hear. Huh. And he did that Kennedy song? No, that's too long. Oh. The Kennedy song was Dylan's first number one single hmm. Hmm. at age 80. Here's a question for you. Okay. <laughs> Where were you when JFK got shot? Oh, my God. I was at Cleveland High. Wait a minute. What year was it? 63, November. 27. Yeah, I, I, I was a I was in my first year at Cleveland High, and I was walking, you know, to my next class, and I knew something weird had happened. Yeah. And then we got into school and got to go home. Yeah, I was in second grade at St. Mel's on the Victory. I mean, uh, DeSoto and uh, Ventura, and uh, the nuns came in. They were all crying. Oh, like God. what's going on? Um, you guys are get to go home now because the president's been shot. I was like, oh. and so that whole weekend, just that's all you saw on TV. Of course, that was yeah. really yeah. everybody old enough to remember that uh, can remember that oh, awful yeah. moment. Yeah. But that uh, that song, the Dylan song, is so incredible. Yeah, it's mm. a real, one of his longest songs, and it went to number one. I have a question. I wanted to ask you this earlier. What's the craziest thing that happened while you were on the road with the little girls, if anything? Well, we never toured, uh, really, sadly. The shock, the farthest we got was San Francisco. Um, we never went back east. We always regretted that, but, uh, you know, we didn't have any money. So, yeah, yeah and, and the record was put out by ourselves, you know, and uh, so, yeah, we never toured. And then the little girls, I think the farthest we got was at Arizona, we opened for the Pretenders. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was awesome. We actually felt like celebrities because we had a dressing room with actual catered food. It was <laughs> and beer and it was just awesome because you're used to playing these little clubs in LA and yeah. like, like bathrooms almost, you know? Yeah. And, and what happened with the little girls? That they uh, the little did? girls, are, um, I'm still in contact with them. They sing, they sang on Boards and Bikinis Rule that you just heard, by the way. Karen and Michelle. Hi, Karen and Michelle. Um, Hi, girls. Yeah, still friends with them. And uh, hopefully we can record again soon because I'm trying to finish some more Hollyberry stuff that we never finished a while ago. And uh, so they're in the can. But anyway, uh, Karen lives in Maine and Michelle lives up in um, Canyon Country, I think. Yeah. Well, didn't you just write the liner notes for? Yeah, so we got a CD coming out. Yeah. In Australia, it's like a compilation of our stuff. And uh, since I'm the kind of historian of the group, I have photos and uh, I created these liner notes with the factual stuff about everything, you know. And I hope, like I said, I hope people care. But uh, it was a labor of love. And uh, that's coming out hopefully by Christmas. It's on Playback Records. It's an Australian company, but it'll be distributed in America. And uh, I don't know what the name of it's going to be yet, but uh, it's got a lot of rare stuff on it, folks. Kip also writes uh, for the James Dean Zine, 
and the James Dean Memorial Gallery newsletter. Yes, he, yeah, yeah he's, he's got a column. He writes about all, like I mentioned earlier, all the people who die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally into death, aren't I? Yeah. No, no, but you know, people who knew Jimmy, come on, they're pretty old. Yeah, true. But true it's, 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 what's it called? It's called West Coastin. And that's the yeah. column, yeah. All you James Dean fans, you should sign up for these Dean Zines. Yeah, you guys should join go the join the James Dean fan club. We're a bunch of kooks. And go to the uh, James Dean Gallery dot uh, com, I think it is, and uh, the Fairmont Historical Museum also has a website. I think they might be called the James Dean Museum now, but uh, both of those support them, you know. And uh, maybe we'll see you guys in uh, Fairmount. Yes. Please join us in September. I uh, I dance every year with Lenny, Lenny Prusak, uh, Dave's husband, and we. It's a fifties dance contest. Yes, yeah, a fifties dance contest, and we rehearse and rehearse, and then we it's swing dancing, and actually you can see us. We're all over YouTube. Uh, it's one of dancing. the highlights of the festival. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is one. I guess it was probably. God, 15 years ago, I just grabbed Lenny. I, I always sit in his booth. He sits, it's a festival. Every every September, the last weekend in September is a festival uh, to, to commemorate, actually, his death day. Well, yeah, and the history of Fairmont as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's, a yeah, it's a remember James Dean. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on. It's like a carnival atmosphere. Yeah. But but the, one of the highlights is the dance contest, and we 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 won a few times. We we actually came in first only once in the, the fast, once in the slow, and came in second many times. Yeah, and you guys are the highlight all the time. Well, in in our little group, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we do pretty well. Yeah, just it's, talking about it, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but anyway, yeah. How can people find you, Kip? I have a Facebook page. Just find me on Facebook and uh, Kip Brown. Yeah, Kip Brown. You, you can't miss me. I have a black hat on. I always wear a black hat, and uh, and he's really cute. I'm, I'm adorable. <laughs> <laughs> he's also Hollyberry Kip on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and find you can see my uh, shock or uh, little girls. We have little girls videos. Some of our it sounds funny when I say that. Um, I know. On on YouTube, you know, some of our live performances. We did a USA Network show once, and uh, you can see that all on YouTube. And uh, Holly Berry stuff is on there as well. When Christmas comes, you'll hear a lot more of the Holly Berries. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and you can also get my record, the Hollyberry's EP, which is awesome. It's like I had it designed to look like a 60s EP, and that's on uh, eBay. You can find those on eBay. Okie dokie. Hi. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dolls, thank you for listening. That was my dear friend, Kip Brown. And please join us on a rock tour sometime. And thank you for listening to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, a Pantheon podcast extravaganza.
you've been listening to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, produced by Aaron Alden and Christian Swain. All sound design by Jerry Danielson and Busy Signal Studios. Find Miss Pamela at Pamela DeBar on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Find all the Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Pantheon Podcasts. Rock and Roll Archaeology on Instagram and Pantheon Pods on Twitter. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.